theyeshiva.net. So you got it, page 22, the second column, the line starts, V'zeu inyin yamtuf. V'zeu inyin yamtuf, gili ha-simchi. See, mamusha, middle of the page. You're at Aleph, column 4, 22, on top it says Tzav. The Balatanya addresses in this Maimah what we say in the Haggadah, that the matzah that we eat commemorates the fact that the Jewish people did not have time to allow their dough to ferment in Egypt. Why? Because usually under normal circumstances, the bakers allow the dough to sit and ferment and rise and inflate and allow the various processes which turn dough into leaven, into chametz. But in this case, they were expelled from Egypt at once. The Egyptians could not tolerate their presence there even for one more moment because Parai and his people have been brought to their knees as a result of the tenth and final smashing plague. And thus the Jewish people were expelled. Go, 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 Gershom and Mitzrayim. And they needed to immediately place the dough in the oven without any delay. Hence, we eat matzah to commemorate this event. As we all say in the Seder, matzah zushan o'echlem al shum ma, al shum shalai hispik betzekes shalavay seinu la'achmetz, ad shenigla melech malche amlachem ha'kadosh baruch hu alayim oga'olam. And his question was, the great question was, that that's not the reason we eat matzah. Even if that would have never happened, we would still eat matzah on the night of Pesach. Because there's a mitzvah in HaTayra to eat matzah on the night of Pesach. In fact, the first time around, there was also a mitzvah to eat matzah on the first night of Pesach. The, the night before they left Egypt, even before Makas B'chayrez, there was a mitzvah in Parshas Boy, He said, on this night, you should eat matzah together with Marer, together with the carbon Pesach. Even if that event would have would have never happened. That was the question. Parenthetically, this question repeats itself in a later Maimer, also printed in Parshish Tzav, called Sheshis Yamim. Sheshis Yamim Teichel Matzis, which we learned, I think, two or three years ago before Pesach. Uh, a, f- a very uh, a longer and fascinating Maimer, also about Pesach. It's on the yeshiva.net. The Chatzais. Pre-Chatzais Matzah, post-Chatzais Matzah. Tell you, Tikkun, why we eat. Very fundamental mimer. And uh, we didn't finish it then before Pesach. I think I did an audio recording. <laughs> and uh, so that's, uh, you could listen to it and learn it before Pesach. It's, a, it's an amazing mimer. It's on the yeshiva.net in Pesach, in the Lakuta Torah Pesach section. Here he also asks this first question, he asks here also. But he also adds another interesting thing, another anomaly, that the Gemara teaches us in Psachim, a Mishnah and a Gemara, that in the original Pesach, the Isra of Chametz was only one day, the first day. Where today, in commemoration of Pesach, the prohibition of Chametz continues for seven days, besides Erev Pesach, when you have to get rid of the Chametz. Another seven days, or in Chutzlar, it's of course eight days. Which is also a very interesting anomaly, because you're commemorating the original Pesach. So L'chaida has the question in Gemara, When you're deriving your entire legitimacy from something else, so then you shouldn't be stronger than that source from which you're deriving your entire existence. The whole point of celebration of Pesach is a commemoration of what happened during the first Pesach. And now we're like, you know, uh, as they call it, you know, 
more more stringent. Huh? <laughs> yeah. There's also an expression in Yiddish, Frimme with the pipes. Lahavdil, of course, but it seems strange. There the Isra Chametz is one day. In order to understand this, so first he introduced the idea, Alpinigla Pashat, that that gufa is the point because the Isra Chametz was only one day. So therefore, naturally, they could have eaten Chametz the whole Pesach. Meaning the next seven days they could have eaten chametz. Because the Easter was only the first day, the next six days they could have eaten chametz. And the only reason they didn't was, why? Because they didn't have time for the dough to ferment, because they didn't have time to dough for the ferment. So therefore, that was the reason that actually the absence of chametz existed for the continuous days. So when we're not eating chametz during the continuous days of Pesach, what is it? That's a commemoration of the fact that That was the first idea introduced, sourcing it in the Mizrahi. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was Hashem's way of giving them matzah for seven days and taking away chametz from them for seven days, which in our times, subsequently, it's not expressed through that physical. Uh, experience per se, but through the mitzvah, not to eat chametz and to have matzah for seven days. In order to understand all of this, and to understand the concept of matzah, he said we have to understand more the concept of mayadim simcha, that yamam toivim were given primarily for simcha, for samachta b'chagecha, and something that we find that Shabbos doesn't have this quality as much as Yom Tov. Of course it says about Shabbos, ein eitzav ba. And the Sifri also says, But generally, the focus of Shabbos is described more as Oineg, Oineg Shabbos, the mitzvah of Oineg, the Karasala Shabbos Oineg, the Pasuk says. Mm-hmm. Yom Tif is associated primarily with Simch even more than Shabbos. In Arizal, the Kisri Arizal, Shabbos is higher than Yom Tif. Shabbos is a gili of Moichin the Abba. Yom Tif is a gili of Moichin the Ima, which are mystical terms representing the mind of the father and the mind of the mother, which he will explain. In order to understand this, the Balatanya started to say that there's two types of giluyim of Eirin Saif Baruch That's the key. Two types of flows of the divine energy that can be experienced in life. Number one is what he calls Seder Heshtalshalos, Hamshacha Me'ila Le'ila, to quote his words. And number two is Lamayla Menai Heshtalshalos, one is that goes through the flow of Ashtashlus, which we explained yesterday in the previous year, and then there's Lamailam and Ashtashlus beyond that. Or the other term he uses, Yesh Meyesh versus Yesh Meyayin, something from nothing versus something from something. In the first case, when an Alul gets close to its Elah, an Alul is the offspring, the Elah is its source, the antecedent. And whenever there's a Hiskarvus, there's a closeness, between the Alul and the Elah, that creates a tremendous simcha in both of them. Just like a child in captivity who returns to the father or the mother, there's a tremendous joy because the distance is what creates a, such a tension and such a sense of uh, agony and anguish. And when the prince returns to daddy, to the king or to the queen, there is a tremendous joy. And he says that's the simcha of the Alul when it experiences the light of the Elah, instead of being distant and instead of being concealed and instead of being remote, 
now it can comprehend and experience who it really is as it leaves darkness and enters into light, grief and enters into happiness and enslavement and enters into redemption, there's a tremendous sense of joy. And that's really what Simcha is. And he says, V'zeu inyin yamtif. This is the inyin of yamtif. Gilui ha-simcha V'zeu inyin yamtif. You see, Mama's in the middle of the page, the line starts, V'zehu. 22. On top it should say Tzav. V'zehu inyin yamtif. That's what yamtif represents. Gilui ha-simcha. The revelation of a state we call simcha, happiness. And it's expressed in halal. On Yom Tov there's the obligation to say halal, not on Shabbos. And what's the first chapter of halal from Tehillim, Kapitel Kofi Dalit? It starts off with halalu, halalu, avdei Hashem, and it ends, Moishivi akeres habayis, eim habonem semecha halaluka. The literal translation is, Moishivi means he restores, he brings back. Like Lahashiv, right? Hashiva Shiftenu. Akaris Habayas. Literally the Pshat is Akaris Habayas from the word Akara. Somebody who's infertile. Somebody who cannot have children, a barren woman. Maishivi Akaris Habayas. He brings her back to become the leader of a home. Aim Habanim, a mother of children, Smecha. Instead of being in a state of distress because she feels so lonely with no future, with no continuity. So the source of simcha, how you find there is, that's the halal that we say on Yom Tif. But he touches here, what's the gilia simcha? That from a woman being barren in her home, a home which is an akara, an empty home, an empty nest, there's no nest, she is transformed into an Eim Habonim Smecha, a mother of children who is rejoicing. Pirush, the meaning of this is, Ki Akeres Milosh The word Akeres is derived from the term Akara, which means barren and fertile. Umiloshin Kechuldazu Adara Beikre Batim, Begemara Perek Basu de Psachim. And the Gemara in the last Perek of Psachim, Arve Psachim, explains that it's like this weasel which lives batim in the in the the foundations below the homes. That's where the weasels and the rats and the mice hang out. The Gemara says over there, it's Psachim Dav Kufyut Chesamad Beis. The Gemara says that uh Rishlakish said when it says Myshivia Karis Habayis, Amra Knesses Israel, the Jewish people told Hashem, this is the last Perek of Psachim, one of the last Dafim of Psachim, the Jewish people tell the Rebbe Neshalolim, Amra Knesset Yisrael, Rebbe Neshalolim, Samuni Banecha Kechuldazu Adara Beikri Batim. Some of your children have placed me like the weasel, Kofiut Chesam like the weasel which lives in the foundations of the home, in other words, in a very, very lowly place. That's the Akeres Habayis, Iker is like the, the fundamental, the, the basis, which is always all the way on the bottom. So you put, you, you throw somebody, you know, under the bus, under the house, that's called Iker Batim. So we see Akara, Akaris comes from the word Akara, that's what the Mepharshim say. The Gemara also gives us the second interpretation, Rish Lakish, Batim. 
which means all the way down, down, down. Throw me under the house, like the chulda, like the weasel. That's where the weasel lives, the chulda lives. That's where they have put me. My shivi, they have placed me. Akeres habayis. Be'ikre batim. You know, below the basement. Subterranean cellars of the home in its foundational layers. The bowels of the home. And from there was transformed. I was transformed into Eim Habonim Smecha. Into a mother of children who is happy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What's the connection? This is all the same point what Simcha is. Simcha is when the Olul comes back to the Elah. When there is that reunification. When the distance that is unnatural. Because the Olul really comes from the Elah. The Olul is rooted in the Elah. The Olul is the child of the Elah. And when that child has been in captivity and alienation and comes back, that's where the great joy comes. Joy comes from that that experience when you are restored back to your own core, when you are at peace with yourself, when there's true harmony between who you are and who you're supposed to be. It's called the matching moment. The matching moment where your mind, your body, and your soul are in harmony. When you're aligned with your true self, alignment is the source of simcha. When there is alienation from the true self, the opposite of alignment, when there is distance, there is a sense of distress. There is a sense of pain. And we have to compensate for that pain in one way or another, but that's where a void is created. That's the absence of simcha. The void hurts us. And there are different lives. There's a life that dedicates itself to fill that void. But how do I fill that void? One way of filling that void is through simcha. Another way of filling that void is through distractions. The deeper the void the greater the distractions that are necessary to fill the void. Small void, small distractions. Big void, big distractions. Awesome void, awesome distractions. In many ways, the more the alul is sensitive to the pain of being distant from itself, the greater the void, the greater the hole, the greater the sense of emptiness. The deeper the distractions, the deeper the distractions the deeper the distractions that are necessary in order to refill the void, right? And that's the difference. You have to always ask yourself in your life, how am I filling my voids? Am I filling my voids through through helping them really be filled so they're not voids anymore? Am I filling my voids through simply distancing myself further from myself and the void so that they don't distract me because I'm not even here to see it? And that's the big difference between simcha and fun. Or not fun, I mean fun is, is a pretty good thing, but simcha and distractions, fun that are, are distractions of the joy rather than the joy. So, from being the chulda be'ikre batim, quite an interesting interpretation in the Gemara, being that weasel in the bowels of the home, in the gutter, in the, under the home, it becomes a mabonim smech, a mother of children smech. Why the Gemara uses chulda? Why don't you ask that question on the Mishnah Daftasa Medalev? Ein Chayshish and Shema Gira Chulda. Masachta Psachim is busy a lot with chuldas because the Chazal had a lot of experience that under their homes there were weasels who were schlepping chametz from one place to another place, from one house to another house, from one city to another city. That's why the chuldas 
uh, are very prominent in Masech Tav Sochem. Very good. The Allah is trying to weasel out of the Elah. Very good. And you got to weasel it back in. Yeah? Okay. That's why this is the summation of the first chapter of Halal. Vihi, on a spiritual level, this represents Pchines Malchus, the quality of divine Malchus, which is connected always to femininity, Shemalubeshes Kol Yoimin, which all the days of the week it is enclosed, it's manifested, Shemalubeshes Kol Yoimin Dechayl, all the days of the week, meaning the mundane days, Yimei Hachayl, the quality, in Kabbalistic words, the quality of Hashem's Malchus, His characteristic, is manifested Bibriya Yitzira Asiya. It descends into the world of Bria, further down into the world of Yitzira, further down into the world of Asiya, which are various forms of Ishtalshalus, in which the energy devolves from higher to lower. Kain Beklipas Noiga, until it enters into the world of Klipas Noiga, which is a shell and a husk that eclipses the light of Malchus. Cain, Pirish, Besefer, Shushan, Soydus, L'Talmud HaRamban, Zechroin HaLevroch. The Ramban, Rabbeinu Moshe Benachman, who lived in the 13th century in Spain, was considered one of the great Kabbalists of his time, in a time when Kabbalah was far less popular, it's a few centuries before the Arizal, really uh, spread it to much of the Jewish world, relatively speaking. Nonetheless, the Ramban and his students were great Kabbalists, and he has a student who wrote a sefer called Shushan Saidas, quite unfamiliar today. And uh, over there, he teaches that the Gemara, which says represents the quality of Malchus, which goes down all the way down to the bottom. That's Dakeris Habayis. Now, when that's restored. That's what he's going to say. Ubi yomtif, he oila lamaila. On yomtif, that characteristic, so to speak, comes back up. From the bottom of the home, it's transformed into pchines eim habonim, into a mother of children, which represents bine vahasagre be'er ein seifan nigla'oz. There is a sense of ima. Ima represents, the mother represents, the mother of children represents bina. Comprehension, understanding. Hasag is comprehension. In the light of infinity, which is revealed on Yom Tiv, because on Yom Tiv, there is a divine energy of infinity that evolves and comes down then, in a way, there should be a path and an opportunity for some form of grasping, for some form of awareness and comprehension. Of course, he qualifies that which one could comprehend from the light of infinity, which is revealed. And one can also comprehend how this gilui, this manifestation, is intense, it's great. Until it's trans, it's transformative from yagain, from mourning to joy. An expression in Yeshaya. Those who were in the Basak in Yeshaya says, The nation, 
I think it's Yeshaya. The nation that was in darkness saw a great light. Yeshaya Perik Tess, Pasuk Aleph. So he uses that expression that Ha'am This is the revelation of the light of the infinite one, blessed be Hamizgala, which is revealed on Yomtiv, Bibchinis Yesh Vahasaga. In a way that is something. Yesh means something that's graspable, something that's relatable to the mind, to the bina, v'hasaga, it comes down in a way that can be grasped or comprehended or reached. Hasaga means reached, lahasig, which is also connected to the word hasaga, which is comprehension, right? Say havana v'hasaga, it's all the same thing. When I understand something, I reach it to some degree. There's reaching something tangibly, physically, there's reaching something more abstract, through our mind. That every Jew is then empowered and has the opportunity to have some tfisa, some grasp, some hasaga in the light of the face of the king of the Rebbeinah Shalom revealed then. A metaphor for this would be, or a comparison for this would be. When we speak of a soul, this is the marshal for Yom Tov, we speak of a soul which is delighting itself, it's experiencing the light in Olam Haba. What's Olam Haba? Ziv HaShchina, the ray of the Shechina. What happens in Olam Haba that there's a Tainuk from Ziv HaShchina? Instead of the soul which is manifested and often eclipsed in its material container, when the soul leaves that place, a soul doesn't disappear. What happens after 120 years? The neshama ascends l'mekar chaitzvah. Mekar chaitzvah means the source from where it was honed. Chaitzvah, machtzvah is like, huh? Hund. Yund. From where the, we chisel out the stones, the queries where you bring chaitzvah, the stone. So it's a metaphor here. Mekar chaitzvah, the source from where the, the soul was carved, carved out. It goes back to Misanegas, Beganeidinalian. And thus it lives in pure delight in Ganeidinalian, in the higher paradise, Venenis, Mizivashchina, in the expression of Chazal. And she enjoys the radiance of the Shechina, meaning Hanav Tainugnifla which is a wondrous and extraordinary Hana and Tainu, the Rambam says, it can't even be described in words how profound that is. That's my Shivi Akeris Habayis. From Akeris Habayis, Malchus being all the way down, the person, the soul, some, somehow, sometimes a person is all the way in the dumps, completely alienated from my source, and when that Akeris Habayis is transformed into Aim Habonim, which... Using the idea of the Shushan Soydas, the Talmud Haramban is Malchus going back to its source, the Alul re-encountering itself with its Elah, and they become one once again, because they were one, and then there was this Hishtalshalus, and this distance, and this concealment, Briya Yitzira, Siya, Klipas Noiga, and all that, that is what creates Simcha. And that's what happens when the Alul comes close to the Elah, and it comprehends it, it becomes aware of it, which is its ultimate self-awareness, of course. So as he put it before, he says, that generates a tremendous sense of joy, like the child coming out of captivity and coming back to its, coming back to its source. At the risk of the Kabbalistic Lushen, we try to understand better this idea of a full being malchus. I'm the old coming back to its source, I understand. But that the full is malchus and malchus is sort of forming back up. It's, it's a little, it's a lot vague. 
I have to look it up in the Shushan Saidas. I didn't have a chance. I'll look it up, Lee to see how he explains it exactly, why he connects it to the Chulder. There has to be a little more to it, which would explain why they chose the word Chulder as well. In other words, it's always, you know, when you're talking in the in, in Pshat, they chose Chulder because you got to choose some animal. If you say they would say a rat, you'd say, why a rat? And they say a mouse, why a mouse, right? And if they would say, you know, some other uh, some other rodent or insect or animal, you would ask that. But al Pipnimius, there's always a diuk, why dafke Chulder somehow... It, it expresses this point. Lineder, look it up. Uh, okay, so very general, general terms when we use the term malchus. Malchus is considered that quality and characteristic of Hashem that creates otherness, that is responsible for otherness. We say, Ein melech beloy am. Famous expression of the Rishonim, right? There's no melech without a nation. There's no king if there's no people. I could do a lot of things myself. I can't be a leader myself. Or we sometimes describe Malchus as the relationship with a spouse. Malchus is femininity, right? So a person could do a lot of things, but they can't be married to themselves. You could be a poet on your own. You could be brilliant on your own. You can also be a lover on your own, you know? Some of the greatest lovers in humanity are people who don't know, who who live on their own. (laughs) You live on the top of a mountain and you write poetry about love. All of the spheres, Chachma, Bina, Das, Chesed, Vur, Tiferes, Netzach, they can all be experienced within the person vis-a-vis himself or herself. You can't be married to yourself. You can't experience marriage without being married. There's no leadership. You can't be a leader. Why? The very definition of this quality is born from the relationship. It's not an imagination about a relationship. It's the quality that is born from the contact from the feedback, from, if you want to speak, say, one from the head-on-head collision of two people, from the actual interaction. Malchus is born, I'll just give an example. This example is brought in, in, in Chassidus, I'll just give, give it contemporary terms. The President of the United States, and this is not relevant who the President is, I'm not talking about the persona of the President, I'm talking about the position of the Presidency, what we call the position, the office, Right? What happens on the day that the President of the United States, most powerful person in the free world, is inaugurated as President? It's not that that day he got his degree in law, or that day he got his degree in political science, or that day he got his uh, degree in foreign affairs to, to be able to understand foreign affairs. Whatever the President knew yesterday, he knows today. <laughs> Whatever he didn't know yesterday... He doesn't know today, right? But he's a completely new person. Completely new person. What happens to the medical school student, the medical student, who studied for 15 years? Yoimam Valayla, because he wanted to know his stuff, day and night, right? And he, and he was, and he passed, and he did well, etc. The day that he's appointed to that position, running the whole, uh, the whole department of cardiology or, or, or neurology or pediatrics in that particular hospital or clinic. What he knew yesterday in medicine is what he knows today. What he didn't know yesterday doesn't know today. But he's a different person. <laughs> he's a completely different person. What happened? Malchus. Malchus emerged. 
And Malchus transforms a person. On one hand, we say, the Zohar says, Leislam Megar Maklum. Malchus has nothing. The moon, its entire light is a reflection of the sun. It has nothing of its own. Nothing happens to you when you become a Melech in terms of substance. But everything happens to you when you become a Melech. Why? Because it's the position that turns you into a different person. Now your whole knowledge, your whole experience is crystallized. It comes to the fore. There's a sense of urgency, of responsibility. There are hundreds or thousands of lives that are dependent upon you. In the case of a president, hundreds of millions of lives. In many ways, much of the world is impacted. But you're a different person. Do you know anything you didn't know yesterday? Yeah, maybe the CIA and, and, and the Hevra will have to tell you, you know, some facts about what's going on in ISIS. That's probably before the inauguration. But you understand, that can't happen in your room. That can't happen in your room. Somebody will say, I imagine that I'm married. Yeah, imagine that you're married. Beautiful imagination. That has to do with marriage, yeah? You understand? What's the connection between that and marriage? <laughs> what? Even when you're married five years, you don't know what it is. You understand what I'm saying? Malchus necessitates otherness. What's the nimshal? All the spheres of Hashem can be experienced within Ein Oid Mulvadai, God Himself. But Malchus requires a relationship. So it's the quality of Malchus of the Rebbeinu Shaloylam that is responsible for the sense of separateness. I can't be a melech within myself. I can't be married to myself. No, leadership is about the people and your relationship with the people and how they impact you. Moshe Rabbeinu, he didn't learn nothing when he came to him, when he became a leader. Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't given new information. He didn't get, but he was a different person. Till this moment, you were a private person shepherding the flock of your father-in-law on a very, very lofty level, the moment a person becomes a melech, something happens. An essence, an essential quality comes out, that's called midas hamalchus, that can only happen through those who are outside of you. Ein melech, beloy am. It can't even happen through your own family. You can't be a king over your own family. Ein melech, beloy am. Because a family, it's, it's part of you. It's a father and children, not malchus. It's, it's, like, it's like I'm a king over my hand. My hand and my brain are the same thing. It's one organism. It's always the stranger, it's somebody else. And that's why the antithesis of Malchus is narcissism. Because the whole identity of Malchus is the relationship, how you impact the other. So all the other qualities, the Balatanya explains, all the other qualities of Hashem can come out, so to speak, within His infinity. But Malchus is what requires someone outside of you. Malchus is the relationship with somebody who's not you. For Hashem to be a melech, it's the midas ha-malchus that requires otherness, that requires a yesh, a world that is separate, at least in its own perception, and now can create a relationship. That's why the expression is malchus leaves the domain of atzilus and enters b'riye yitzir. say, what does this mean? So people who learn these types of svarim are familiar with this language. But it's very, very important to understand what it really means because this is all metaphoric. Malchus doesn't leave anywhere and it doesn't climb down on a ladder and it doesn't crawl in like a weasel into Bri Yitzirah It's metaphoric. What's the metaphor? The metaphor is 
if there is something I'm doing because of a particular passion I have, that passion is fueling the activity that I'm doing. Somebody is very, very ambitious, and uh, they're up at 5 in the morning, 7, 6.30 in the morning, they're sitting by their desk. Because their ambition for success in business knows no bounds. You all know that, you know, you all, you all know that, you, you all understand the tipus. You will feel that ambition throughout every telephone, every telephone call that they make. You feel that ambition. In other words, that ambition is the fuel, it's the gas, it's the soul that is behind all of these activities. And you have to always identify what is the neshama behind what I'm doing? What, what is fueling my activity? Right. Is it coming for an example? A simple example would be sometimes a person has to be successful at work for one simple reason. They need the validation of the people. They want to prove that they are successful. Their entire life they have felt that they were failures and they need people to say that they are successful. As somebody once told me, when I went into business, I made a vow and that is I'm going to force people to say that they need me. I always felt unneeded and I'm now going to feel needed, which means this person could never ever know what his real ambitions are because Everything he's doing is to fuel a tremendous, to fill a tremendous insecurity. You're gonna make, I'm gonna make you feel need, I'm gonna make me feel needed. You're gonna see how indispensable I am. So his entire raison d'etre, how do you say that in, uh, in Yiddish? His entire purpose, his entire purpose is what? to fill a void that comes from tremendous insecurity. So all that power is really a cover-up of a bottomless pit of insecurity. But if you can, but there's always the soul that's driving it. So now when you ask the question, what's the soul behind Bria, Yitzira, Asiya, Klippa? What divine energy is fueling it? What's the energy in it? What's the answer? Malchus. <laughs> Malchus. Malchus is there. It's God's desire for the relationship. Malchus, that's what we mean. Malchus leaves and goes down into Bri and Sirah What is the, what is the divine energy at the core of human separateness? Of human ego? What is it? There's divine energy. The ego also is divine energy. Ego means easing God out, but that itself is divine energy. What is it? It's Malchus. That's what we mean. Malchus leaves the source and descends all the way down to the lowest places. Because what's the passion? What's the will of Hashem that creates a world that's separate from Him, whether it's Bria or Yitzir or Asir, which are just grades of separateness? It's the desire for Malchus. You grasp? Reb Aaron, first Okay. Good, yeah, that's good. Don't worry. Oh, now you sound like you know who. <laughs> My, my, my missus would say to you, <laughs> but it, it, seems, it seems rather um, facile. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's this whole paradigm that says that God's relationship, there's no thing uh, without a uh, anonymous. You're saying it's only from our perception. Yeah, I mean, you have to, you have to include that ingredient in it. Okay. That, that right. Right. That we experience ourselves as outside. Myself experience the marvelous of Hashem, right. Right. 
And, and that's and that was extremely important, Hashem, that quality. That we should look behind the curtain, sir. Look behind the curtain, yeah. Umalchusai kiblu alayhim. That's the idea of Malchias and Rosh Hashanah, right? The Gemara says, Hashem asks the Jewish people, please make me your king. Really? It's like Hashem, the Gemara says that in Rosh Hashanah, Hashem says, Please do me a favor, could you coronate me? What is this, the mayor spending $100 million so that he's re-elected? And if I don't coronate God, what's going to happen? <laughs> If I say, I'm not coronating you, have a good day, I'm not interested. Really, what exactly is going to happen? Oh, he's Kenik? He's not king anymore? What's this bakasha? He's asking the Jewish people. But that's the definition of Malchus. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, sorry, I learned more from her in some ways. But I <laughs> if you if you force you force a woman into a marriage, it's not a marriage. It's not consent. It's not marriage. I'm consenting to a relationship. That's the difference of a melech and a marshal. Balatanya writes this. The Vilna Gaon also writes this a few times. A melech must be accepted willingly. A marshal, you know, Fidel Castro. You remember Fidel Castro? He would give speeches for eight hours, and everybody had to listen. He wanted to call himself an orator. There was only one difference. Nobody was there voluntarily. If you knew you leave in the middle of the speech, you know where you can end up. Stalin was one of the most boring orators of all times. I don't know if you ever heard his speeches, right? But nobody budged, and you didn't take your eyes off him. You didn't take your eyes off him. And he felt at the end, it was unbelievable. He's this, you know, Winston Churchill. In reality, you were frightened. If you blink, if you blink, you could be seen as a traitor and end up in the gulag, and that would be a good day on a good day. You understand what I'm saying? There's no relationship, and the Moshe knows it, which is what drives him crazy. And Churchill's a good example because he had a vision for the British. Yeah, he was different. They rose from their perspective. Yeah, 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 yeah. Churchill inspired a vision. He inspired a passion. Against tyranny. Uh, Stalin was operating on a level of, of tyrannical fear and, and craziness and insanity. We have here a few graduates of the Soviet Union who know exactly what we're talking about. So that's Moishel. That's Moishel. There's no relationship. And the dictators know it and it drives them mad, by the way. And they become more paranoid. And if you mention this, you're dead because this is the void that sits in them. Because you can't replace Malchus with Mamshallah. We all know that. You can have control over people, but you know deep down, the moment you turn around, you know, the teacher, the moment he turns around, it's chaos in the classroom. (laughs) So it's basically the grip of fear. The grip of fear is not a grip at all. It's a temporary grip. The moment people are allowed to breathe, they're out. They're out the door. You always have to ask yourself, what type of relationships do you create? If it's a relationship, right now you got the grip of fear, but the moment that grip is over, they're, oh, they're not looking at you ever again in the world, in their life. Malchus is a completely different paradigm. Malchus It's a relationship. A relationship means everyone brings their entire self into the picture. 
without compromising it. And that's exactly the relationship Hashem wanted. So he comes to the Jewish people and he said, I need you to coronate me. I can't do this. If I coronate myself, it's all nice, but then it's a different reality. I want you in the relationship. What's the concept of, of the difference between this world that the Mashiach is the Shiva Mafia? Yeah, perhaps, yeah. Yeah. That's why it's called Malchus. Reb Moshe Shapiro, Zechrona Levracha, was here uh, a few months before he passed away. And I think the last year he ever gave in his life, or the second to the last year, was in Baruch Shul, uh, you were there, Baruch Shul uh, near Grandview. Oh, yeah, not far from here. He came here for treatments. It was a Shalashudas. And, uh, you know, in Israel, thousands of people would go to his shiurim. And there he was in a shtibel, and there was Kama Minyan. Kama Minyan. Uh, he spoke Yiddish. Not everybody understood Yiddish. And he spoke for a very long time. And and uh, so uh, so I was there for Shalashudas. Moshe Shapiro was from the big Bali Machshava in the, in the literature world, and he used to teach a lot Kabbalah Sagra, the Kabbalah of the Vilnagon, and the Bechlal Sifrei Kabbalah, Reb Tzodik, Maharal. And he said something, uh, he said something very daring. He said that, uh, the Gemara says in Rosh Hashanah that when Jews blow Shoifer, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Oymed Mikisei Din, V'yoyshval Kisei Rachamem. When the Jews blow Shoifer, Hashem gets up from the thrones of judgment and sits on the thrones of compassion. That's why Allah Eleikim Bisrua, Hashem Bekal Shoifer. It starts off with Eleikim and then ends up with Hashem, right? Midasadin, Midasarachim. What's the meaning of the way you take a shoifer and he changes seats? What is this musical chairs? Like the music went off and God says, okay, let's change chairs. So he said that it says in Pirkeyavus, is there a Siddur here? Rabbi, let's remind her. This has a Pirkeyavus here. So he said it says in Pirkeyavus, the end of Perik Dalit, the end of chapter 4 of Pirkeyavus, it says, that uh, Hashem is the Yoytzeh, the Boyri, the Maven, the Dayan, the Eid, the Baldin. Ain't the fun of loy Avla, loy Shikha, loy Masifonim, loy Makach Shoychad. Hashem is not Shaykh to Shoychad. You can't bribe him. There's no bribery. So there's the famous text. There's a different gear says One of these is, why is there no Shoychad? Why can't you bribe him? Shahakal Shaloi. Because everything belongs to him. So how could you bribe him? What am I going to bribe you? I could bribe a judge. I'll give a judge a million dollars. He doesn't have a million dollars. That's a bribe. What if he has everything? How, how am I, what am I going to bribe you with? A cup of coffee? What am I going to bribe you with? A nice house? Protects you? I'm going to give you a good job? What, what am I going to do? Hakal Shaloi. <laughs> you can't bribe him. He says, what type of reason is that? He says, Ilu Yitzuyer. That not hakel shaloi, that if God doesn't have everything, then you would be able to bribe him, right? You would be able to bribe him. Ah, uh, uh, so he said that there's one thing kevayachal that he doesn't have, and that is you choosing him. Because if he has it, it's him. <laughs> the choice that a person makes that he doesn't have, he says on Rosh Hashanah when we make that choice. The Gemara says in Ksuvus, it's like a, a two, two Amudim, about a lot of Tanoim and Amairayim, 
that somebody did them a favor and they immediately said, Paslinu you have disqualified me as your judge. Yeah. The Gemara says Rabbi Shmuel was walking and somebody made it easier for him. Rabbi Shmuel said, what are you doing? He said, I came for a dintaira. He says, sorry, it's over. And he said at the Shir that once Rav Yitzchak Hutner was walking, and he was walking with them. And uh, his lapel, his jacket was up, so he, he made it straight or something. So, you know, the Slabotker of Hutner's way of saying thank you, I appreciate it, was, Paslin hu you just disqualified me as your judge. <laughs> this was his way of saying thank you. You just disqualified me as your judge. You you bribed me. In other words, bribery doesn't mean, you know, a million bucks or even 10,000. Bribery is a kleinishtikl kavod. You'd ask the Chafetz Chaim, who was becoming a rav in a shtetl, what he should do as a rav. So the Chafetz Chaim said, tell them not to wait for you for Isa Shalom. <laughs> not to wait for you for Isa Shalom. <laughs> Just, that's the shaykh that every community gives a rabbi, and he's not objective anymore. <laughs> he's not objective anymore. <laughs> but it was a good insight. You know, the guy says, wait, 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 wait. You're already not objective. Oh, what's the grace? Like they waited another 60 seconds, yeah? Chavitz <laughs> Chaim said, tell them not to wait. But it's a sensitivity. Bribery doesn't necessarily mean big things. You're not objective anymore. And the Bali Musa, where they understood this very well, all the Bali, they understood this very well, because people's, uh, people have egos. So if God wants me, waiting for this, He could have created me that way. Why didn't He take me not to want That's the point. He could have created you as a robot to want Him. <laughs> That's why robots will never replace humanity. Even though we know artificial intelligence is going to take over everything. And our experts tell us that in a few years, nobody will have anything to do. So the pshat is, nobody will have anything to do when it comes to a pizza shop. You don't going to have humans run a pizza shop. What do you mean humans run? Let robots run it. They'll make it better. It'll be more delicious. They'll deliver it. They work. They don't get tired. They don't need vacation. They don't have attitudes. They're not grouchy. I'm a chaya. Right. So the Rambam in Hilchus Malach in Perikir Aleph, the laws of Mashiach says, there's going to come a day, Ba'isi Hazman, La'iyisham, Lai Rav, Lai Melchama, Lai Kina, Lai Tachrus, Shatoi Vetia, Mushpas, Harbe, Vecholama, Adanim, Etsuyan Kaafer. The Rambam 900 years ago wrote, going to be a day no jealousy, no war, no hunger, no uh, egotistical competitiveness, because there'll be so much abundance, all delicacies will be like dust. Frek the Rambam, so what is everybody going to do a whole day? Vaswitmintan. That's what everybody's worried about. What are you going to do? Lifespan will go, according to science today, the lifespan soon will be 160 years. You retire at 65. Okay? At some point, your great-great-great-grandchildren are barely going to know you. What are you going to do a whole day? Remember, the shriek is also going to live 160 years. <laughs> Remember, it comes with a price. Even Mashiach comes with a price. So the Rambam says, these are his words, V'layiyya esek kol ha'olam, Ela, Lodas es Hashem Bilvat. In other words, look at the Torah. It's not such a bad life. It's not such a bad life. Kamayim layam achasim. But the diuk in the Rambam is what does the Rambam say? The Rambam says two things. Hatoyvetiyam ushpas harbe 
There'll be tremendous good, and all the delicacies will be like dust. The Ramam says two things. There'll be no rov, no melchama, no kinna, no tachros, no famine, because we'll tune in to all the opportunities that exist in the world. There won't be famine. There won't be war. There won't be kinna. Now, I just want to mention one thing. It's, it's just, I think it's important for people to observe. I spoke about this Yom Kippur here. And that is that for most of human history, almost every person waking up in the morning thought about one of three things, which most of you, when you hear me say this, you won't even know what I'm talking about. And that's my point. Most humans, for almost all of history, when they woke up in the morning, if they woke up, thought about one of three things. Death through famine, death through war, or death through infectious diseases. This was so common. This was so in, interwoven into the fabric of life. The lifespan was between 30 and 45. Why? Because tomorrow, any day, a disease comes, an infection comes, a germ comes. The Black Plague wiped out much of Europe. Different viruses wiped out 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million people. Countries, cities... And nobody knew what to do with it. They had to blame the Jews, right? The Jews are poisoning the wells. They didn't know about germs. They didn't know about bacteria. What you see with your eyes is reality. They couldn't even relate to these realities. Wiped out. War. Hunger. Hunger was as, 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 as common as, as sun to sunrise. It's not like stores, food stamps, shiner's shul, soup. You run to Lejeune, there's food here, there's food there, there's a kid, there's a mitzvah. If, if, if there was no wheat crop, if it rained or it didn't rain, there was no wheat crop, yeah, or somebody came and stole it, kids were starved. Now we know what we feel like Yom Kippur after one day. What does it feel like three, four, five days? People don't understand, yeah. This is the first generation, one of the first generations in history that not everybody, but much of the world wakes up in the morning. They're not worried about war, immediate war. They're not worried about dying through a sudden disease or through hunger. You have to understand the miracle, the miracle of it. This is not a simple thing. The Rambam describes this about messianic times. And he says, no hunger, no war, no kin, no tachris. And he gives two reasons. Because there'll be a lot of good, endless good. I once heard a word from the Lubavitcher Rebbe and he said, the Rambam was very bidiyuk. Explains why no hunger and no war. If there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good, so then there's no hunger. And I understand it doesn't have to be mulchama. But kina and tachros, <laughs> jealousy says even if you're worth $2 billion, you're still jealous because he's worth $6 billion. <laughs> jealousy is not taken away. Just because you have a lot, you're jealous even more. People who have a lot are not jealous, they're not competitive. What's really, you know, that's why the Ramam has to add something else. All these delicacies will be like dust. You don't get jealous about dust. You have more dust than me, you have more dust. You get jealous over $10 billion, over dust, you don't get jealous. That's why he has to add. How did I get into this? I forgot. I mean, it's Geshmak and Yonim, but... Uh, Ah, 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 ah. So he said, the moment I give you something that you don't have, 
That's what the Tanoim and Amirayim said. Somebody brought a basket of fruits to, to a, a, a field owner because he owed it to him, but he brought it a day earlier. <laughs> he said, you passled me, that's it. He did it a day earlier. Little favors. That's what Shaychad is, your apostle. He said, the moment a Jew takes out a Shaifer and says, I choose you, Hashem, this he doesn't have. <laughs> if he doesn't have it, it's Shaychad. If it's Shaychad, God says, sorry, I can't judge. So he stands up from the throne of judgment and he sits on the throne of compassion. He says, sorry, I can't judge you. Paslinu leiladini, you disqualified him as a din. And that's the pshat, he said, we say in Shachris, toiv yotzar kovod l'shmoi. Right by Hameir Lar is the first bracha, right? Toiv yotzar kovod l'shmoi, ma'iris nasan s'fivah So what's pshat? So it says, toiv, the good one, Yatsar created Kavod Lishmoy, glory for his name. What does this mean? The good one created glory for his name. So he said that the Vilna Gon teaches, Toiv, because Hashem is good, Yatsar, he created a concept of Kavod Lishmoy, that somebody could give respect to his name. It had to be created. No normal human being is going to say that if an ant, if I tell an ant to go right and the ant goes left, so it's disrespectful and I get angry. How can an ant show respect to me? And an ant and a human are not so far from each other. In some ways, ants are superior to man, which is why Shloyma Melech says, go to ants and learn about a work ethic. In Mishle, he says, go to ants and see what, what it means not to be lazy. Still, nobody in their right mind is going to say, I'm having a really bad day because this ant is really not following my, uh, my desire. It's a joke. So Hashem is, is hurt by me. <laughs> if I acknowledge him, I don't acknowledge him. It's the joke. You ever saw a picture? I was looking at the pictures Israel's robot Beratius took from, uh, from, from, they're getting close to the moon. So they took pictures from, from planet Earth, right? So you look at planet Earth and it looks literally like, uh, from outer space, our whole planet looks like a little dot, like a marble. Mamish, a little, little point, like a speck, like a grain of sand. And you think this grain of sand, there's a lot going on there. They take themselves so, this grain of sand takes itself very seriously. I mean, just from outer space, not infinity, just outer space. The Gansavelt is Ashmek Tabak. Now you go into infinity, it's Lechayda nothing. Toiv Yotzar Kovad Lishmai. He created, he created, this desire that I want to have a relationship. That's Malchus. Yes, he could have created you as a robot. That would also be him. Before we learn that the only, person, the only one that we want, we want to, to judge us is God, because he knows everything. Yeah. Now we're learning don't judge him. So. That's what it really means. When we say don't judge me, it means... Don't judge me from a detached place. There's two types of judging. There's judging and there's judging. Because that's detached judgment. There's judging, right? Like a mother who really appreciates her child judges her child. It's a different type of judging. That's a judging that's coming from a place of closeness. I know everything you're going through. That's a different type of judgment. 
So Shoifer accomplishes the idea of Din and Rosh Hashanah is not Din, aloof. I sit on this throne and I judge you. Right, left, good, bad. The judgment is coming from that which he who really loves you and is very close to you. So that's the whole idea here of Malchus going down. In other words, what is the divine energy behind the separateness of man? Malchus. When that restore, when, whenever we overcome that distance and the Olul goes back to the Ilah, the example is that in dramatic terms, the Neshama, the Neshama leaves its encasement and goes back to the Ilah. That's what Ganadin is. What's Ganadin? Ganadin is not. The Neshama disappears. The word death is from our experience, right? From the Neshama's experience, it's not death. The Neshama's experience is, it's continuing its life. But it's continuing its life in a way where the Olul is one with the Ilah. That's what Ganeidin is. Ganeidin means the Neshama goes back to the Ilah. There's no separateness anymore. The tension that exists in this world doesn't exist in Ganeidin. So the pleasure is tremendous. It's the Eim Habanim Smecha. It's the Eim Habanim Smecha. Where it can comprehend the Ein Soif. And a reflection of that happens every Yom Tif. That's the, the opportunity of Yom Tif. Is it, is it still separate, Yishama, or is it part of one? It's part of one, it's kind of dissolved in one. So it's not recognizable. So it's like a death also. It's dissolved. Yeah. You're asking, so it dissolves. There's no nothing left. Okay, we'll soon see. That's a good question. Your question triggered a conversation. If I want to, I want to experience do malchus right now. What would I be doing? I would be trying to connect with Hashem. Would that make me have a malchus? Or the honey. In a person with Malchus? When they're very, very connected with Hashem, that's the, when they're very high in Malchus, or it's when they're influencing a lot of people. Malchus, Malchus is really the person in terms of a leader. In terms of, that's what Malchus is. Yeah. And the prerequisite for that is profound dignity. Profound dignity and, and awareness of your impact and awareness of your ability to impact. The Gemara says in Menachas about one of the Tanoyim that he said, if you would have told me that uh, I should become a Nasi, I should become a prince, I should become a leader, I would have taken a Kumkum Shalchamen. A Kumkum Shalchamen means a chinik, a kettle full of hot water and pour it over your head. That's how much I didn't want it. But now that I became, if you tell me to leave, I want to put you before a lion. What's this? What is he talking about? The pshat is that once the malchus comes out in a person, it's not easy to give that up because it transforms the person. You really become a different person. Not everyone is fit for everyone is fit. Everyone has malchus. There's certain people who have it more, like every other like the chesed gvura, right? The Gemara says about malchus based David. 
The Rambam says, Hamalchus loyal of Keser Malchus Hoil Mosai. The royal crown fits them. Malchus Yisrael don't have that quality of Malchus like Malchus based David. There's a certain quality of Malchus that they have. Some people have it more than others. By some people it's emphasized more than others. By some people it's brought out more than others. Everyone has the ability for Malchus. We all have to be a Melech over somebody. <laughs> Even if our, over our own habits. People around us, everyone. I mean, there's the bigger and smaller, but... It helps. It helps. Malchus is the moon. It doesn't have its own light. But it has its own unique light that it reflects from others. Malchus doesn't have its own quality. It just borrows everything I am. When I'm a king or a leader, I'm not an educated in a new way. I'm just using my previous talents. But they're all crystallized in a way that they were never before. You understand? It brings out a new level of self. It doesn't have its own light. It's like the moon. But the moonlight has a unique energy to it that sunlight doesn't have. This is all a marshal for Hashem's Malchus. Hashem's Malchus, Kivayachal, right? Is rooted in a very, very deep place. And it's what necessitates a relationship with the outside, with otherness. Toiv Yatsar Kavoid Lishmoi. They could be covered Lishmoi. That's a creation. So moon reflects the light of the sun, right? So he doesn't have his own, but he's a perfect reflector. Could have been a body that. You're right. The moon could reflect it, which is what a melech does. A melech means the first thing of a melech is that he's not here for himself. He's here to reflect the light. A servant for the people. If the moon was made up of a different chemistry, material, it would reflect nothing. You know, the black holes, the black matter, it just absorbs all the light for itself, which is beautiful, but you're not a melech. The, the first prerequisite of Malchus is awareness of the people. There's a nation here. Shmuel, Shmuel Anavi told Shaul, one of the most important words in history. Shaul said, I followed the people, they had compassion for Agog. And Shmuel said, Im You may be small in your own eyes, Shaul. You're a humble person, you feel small, you feel like nothing in the eyes of God. You're the head of thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews. You're the king of the Jewish people. So in the privacy of your room, you you know, you know feel like still you're a yeshiva bocher. That was Shaul HaMelech. You know, he sat with the Gemara like a yeshiva bocher, a 19-year-old kid, hurrying over the pages. What do I have with Malchus? He says, in your eyes that may be true, but that's what you're missing. You're missing that awareness of where you are in history. And when you're missing that, it could be dangerous. Uh, if he has it, it could be dangerous also because he can bump his ego. Exactly, exactly, exactly. There's the famous word of the Baal in Parsha Shmini, that Aaron, right? It says that Moshe told Aaron, Krav, come to the Mizbeach and do the Avoidus. So Rashi says, Aaron, Aaron was embarrassed. He was ashamed to come close. So Moshe said, Lama taboish, lekach nefcharta. This is what you were chosen for. So the Baal Shem Tov says, this is why you were chosen, because you're ashamed. <laughs> you were chosen because you were ashamed. Not why you're embarrassed, you were chosen. Lekach nefcharta, because you were embarrassed. Yeah.
It was the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rasham. His yard set was yesterday, Beznison. So he once sent a Jew to be a Shaykhit in a community in Russia. So the Jew said, I'm all they used to know that a Shaykhit in many ways had to be a bigger Yerushalayim than everybody else. Because, uh, till today, because the Rav has to show his sources. The Shaykhit is, you know, what happens in Schlachthuises is a little complicated. It stays in Schlachthuises. Those who know Shchit, it's, it's, a, it's, it's Lebedic. So he sends this Shaykhit. So the Shaykhit says, Rebbech, I don't b'shomoyfen. He says, why? He says, that, you know, I could be Nichshel. Please send somebody else. He says, Vemenz alechshik and Amitz of Ashat Nishkem Maida. Who do you want I should send? Somebody who's not afraid. <laughs> you understand? So, yeah, you're right. The, the humility of Shaul is what made him suitable as a king. But the humility extended itself into the moments of Malchus. So that's what Malchus, Malchus is the quality of leadership. A husband, that's why a husband, the Rambam says, yeah? The Rambam says that a woman should make her husband feel like a melech. <laughs> and then he also says that he should respect her more than he respects himself. He says both things. A real husband, a real, a real husband, a father is mal, it's all malchus. Malchus means you're in a position of, of, of leadership. Don't respond like a baby. Respond like a king. There's two different responses. Do you respond like a baby or do you respond like a king? You know the difference? Like an adult and like a king, not just like an adult. A king in the sense of a leader. I'm a leader. I'm not a docile, spineless, insecure coward. In the, in the room of the therapist, you could be that spineless coward. You understand? But when, or when you're davening to Hashem, that's fine. You got to work. You got to work through your stuff. You got to work through your fears. But when 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 responsibility calls, you're the Lion King. The Lion King, right? That's what they call him. But if you haven't done that until this point, how do you just walk in and say, "I'm going to be the king today"? Well, if you walk in and say, "I'm going to be the king today," it's not going to fly well. You got to be the king, not say, "I'm going to be the king." You hear the difference? Don't say you're going to be the king. Be the king. It's a big difference. Saying, I'm the king! Really? With a water gun. When you are the king, when you are the king, everybody responds. Don't say, I'm the father of the house. Be the father of the house. A guy once came to me with his wife and he said, you know, the Rambam says that the, the husband, is, the wife is supposed to say that the husband is the king. And my wife says the exact opposite. <laughs> I said, the Rambam is talking about if the husband is a king. <laughs> so then the wife could say he's a king. It's not about her saying that you're a king. It's about you being. <laughs> if you are, she'll say it. He's got to have that Kedusha. He's got to have that Kedusha. Yeah. For that, you have to have both a, a deep dignity and a deep understanding of what the people around you need. Malchus is not just a It's it's very deep. That's what a rebbe is. Yeah. A real rebbe is a melech. Yeah. Malchus. You, you said that. Yeah. Huh? President. A president. Yeah. He's the same person, but we know stories from people who became rabbis. 
You're right. That's my point. He's the same person the day he becomes president, but he's a completely new person. Now, I'm talking from an earthly perspective. What does it mean he's a new person? His hairdo is the same. Different responsibility. Everything inside of him takes on a different level of intensity. You understand what I'm saying? What I knew yesterday, I know today. But there's an urgency, there's a seriousness, there's a depth, there's a, a sense of duty. There's millions of people who are dependent. So everything is different. It elevates all my characteristics to another realm. There was a chassid of the Balatanya. I think his name was Rabbi Isaac Hummeler. The Balatanya told him once, do not become a Rebbe. He was a very, very big person. He told him, do not become a Rebbe. Yeah. And he said that, uh, I think it was after the passing of the Mittler Rebbe, there were those, after one of the Rebbe's passed, there were those who wanted to make him a Rebbe. A certain community. And he said that they, they brought a wagon to him, and he picked up one foot to go into the wagon. And then he remembered what the Alter Rebbe told him, and he said no. And he, uh, and he, he left. But he said, he put that one foot into the wagon, and he said the transformation that happened to him was so profound that he understood why the Alter Rebbe had to tell him. Because it was such a profound impact that it had on him. Because he, given Malchus, it's something else. Huh? Yeah. But Al Rebbe said, still don't do it. This is a philatifa. Better you stay a chassid. You take a remain. You remain the chassid of the Balatani, the middle Rebbe, the Tzamech Tzaddik. Yeah. 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 The CEO is a Melech. All of, them, all of them were CEO. CEO was a Moshe. Weasels. <laughs> when you get when you marry your children off, you get a new son or you get a new feeling. Same thing. Same thing. Sometimes when you, uh, you make a bar mitzvah for your child or you marry off a child and you see the next generation developing on their own, you feel malchus. You know what I mean? That's what it is. It's not stam you're happy. Of course you're happy. You're very happy. Your daughter, your son. It's a deeper element of self that comes out. There's a part of self that you couldn't feel before. You couldn't feel it. And it's only because they're going independent. As your children move away, your daughter gets married, your son gets married, or another stage in life, and they, they make a life for themselves. In that separateness, you become a melech. You become a new person. There's something inside of you that comes out that never came out before. What is it? It's that quality of malchus that can only happen because they have made choices as a result of your influence. 
that have created a new independence for them. Well, what is there an empty nest in the Why do they get depressive? Yeah, listen, there's another side to it. Saying that it yeah. In other words, a person can make it's a, a choice. choice. Yeah. How they're going to react. Yeah. To yeah. I have a question about that choice. Because the issue over there is that we've been discussing is that a person chooses a mallet. So my question back to you is, is that choice that we have real, or is it just real narrow? Or what is it? How would the Rambam define our ability to be Muslim? Is that, that has to be something that is, um, as we used earlier, it's in some shoot, though, that, 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 we, that what we have is a real. Is that correct to say? Yeah. Yeah. So what does the Rambam learn about free will and safety? The Rambam in Hilchis Tshuva, chapter 5, says that free will is the foundation of Torah and Mitzvahs. And the Rambam is the great advocate of free will. I mean, very strongly. How all of Judaism is based on it. It's an actual thing. And despite the fact that we're born with dispositions. The analogy before, it's not just my perception of it. Right. It actually exists. Certainly the Rambam holds that way. That's, that when I'm aligning myself, I'm using that tool of free will to align yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pchira, pchira. Yeah, what's in the kuda? Olim, okay. Yeah, this is. Uh, yeah, this is. Uh, this is. 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 This This is. all is. This is. not Shabbos. Yamtif is. This is. This is. deeper than This is. This is. Yeah. There's no chitzonius here. There's no shtick, no shtick. Nobody's making with their hands. And, Nothing is based on manipulation, protectia, family, messiah, traditions, mysis, yerusha, garnish. It should fit in, it should look good, had tables, garnished. Huh? Norder Eberste. So the Norder Eberste. Look at the title, is only the Eberste, garnished, nothing else. Half of a fellow. That's why it's so it's so simple. Yeah, that's the most difficult thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what basically separates uh, yeah. us from everybody else. There's nothing else. Yeah. There's one little yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 Huh? 
Just the Allah being aware of its ilah is already a samcha, even before anything else. The awareness of your ilah, you're already there. I mean, to a significant degree. Most of the time when we think about the, the ilah, we think about father, mother, the ultimate ilah, of course. That's the father and mother, yeah. That's basically the beginning of all the... Of course, that's the ilah of ilah. kola ilahs. There's an expression in the Balatanya, ilas kol ha-ilais, v'sibas kol ha-sibais. The ilah of all the ilais. So is the word il comes from this? <laughs> the word ilah, I think, it's connected to the word al, which means that which is on top. But not in space, in concept. The seed, the sperm, which is the source of the child, which comes from the father, which comes from his father, which comes from his father, etc., or mother. Adam and Chava were the ilah for the first child, for the first children, who became the ilah for their children, and then that's how. So essentially, you can trace yourself back all the way to the source, Adam and Chava. The ultimate programmer. The ultimate programmer, right? The first code. The first code. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.